Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. Each week, we interview the best and brightest in physical therapy, wellness, and entrepreneurship. We give you cutting-edge information you need to live your best life, healthy, wealthy, and smart. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Karen Litzy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and today's episode is brought to you by NetHealth. So when it comes to boosting your clinic's online visibility, reputation, and referrals, NetHealth's digital marketing solutions has the tools you need to beat the competition. They know you want your clinic to get found, get chosen, and get those five-star reviews on Google. Right now, they have a fun new offer. If you sign up and complete a marketing audit to learn how digital marketing solutions can help your clinic win, they will buy lunch for your office. If you're already using NetHealth Private Practice EMR, be sure to ask about its new integration. Head over to nethealth.com forward slash L-I-T-Z-Y to sign up for your complimentary marketing audit. And like I've said before, I have been using them and my schedule is full so full that I am getting ready to hire another physical therapist because I cannot keep up with all of the calls. So it definitely works. Now, on to today's episode. I'm really happy to have on the program today Paul Wright. Paul is a physiotherapist and former owner of multiple allied health clinics in Australia, which he rarely visited. He is the author of the Amazon bestseller, How to Run a One-Minute Practice, founder of Practiceology Health Business Freedom Program, and has helped thousands of allied health professional uh, business owners across 57 countries earn more, work less, and enjoy their lives. So today, Paul talks about seven critical mistakes that healthcare professionals make that can hurt their bottom line and their business in general. So I'm not going to give it away. You'll have to listen. I picked up some great tips that I'm going to start implementing in my practice ASAP. So a big thank you to Paul and everyone enjoys today's episode. Hey, Paul, welcome to the podcast. I'm happy to have you on. Absolute pleasure to be here, Karen. What a buzz. I know. And so we're doing a little podcast swap here, which I love. I love being able to uh, swap podcasts with other hosts where you come on mine, I come on yours. Um, and we get to know each other better. So it's been really great leading up to these podcasts. And today, um, you are going to talk about seven critical mistakes that healthcare practitioners can make that can really hurt their bottom line and their business in general. But before we get to that, can you tell us your story of your career and how you ended up where you are so the listeners get a better idea of who you are. Uh, well, I'm, I was born very young, Karen. Um, now, I'm, I'm from, a, from a small country town. Um, I'm obviously Australian by, by my accent. Uh, I live in beautiful Newcastle, about an hour north of Sydney. But I grew up in a small town about oh, seven hours northwest of Sydney in the middle of the outback. They talk about in Australia, the outback. So I'm in the outback. And what, is, and what does a young kid do as a, in a small country town he be, who likes sport? Uh, he becomes a physical education teacher because that was all I thought you could do as a, as a kid. And I like sport. So I went to Newcastle University, studied my physio, uh, uh, physical education qualification, and then didn't even know what a physio was. But I met a physiotherapist at a party. And I liked anatomy. I liked physiology. I thought, gee, that sounds cool. 
I don't think I could be a teacher for a long time. I had an entrepreneurial streak, I think. So I didn't think I could work for someone else for the rest of my life. So I, I got into this physio uh, course, went to Sydney Uni, uh, did my physiotherapy degree. And within two years after graduating, I had started my first practice. I then ended up with six of them uh, in Sydney, one in Newcastle and five in Sydney. And I think my claim to fame, Karen, is I, I as I went through this journey, I didn't go to them. I, I was fortunate that I stumbled across the e-myth by Michael Gerber uh, very early in my business career. And, and I, I'm treating at my window, Karen, in my practice and, and looking out on the road that goes past in Sydney and there's a bus kept going past uh, and on the side of the bus. Why most small businesses fail and what to do about it is on the side of the bus. And, I, and I'm getting there, watching the sun come up in the morning, watching the sun go down like most, most health business owners. And I, this bus kept going past. And I'm getting better now. I wasn't good then, but I'm better now that the universe was telling me something. Um, followed up with this, with this message, ended up getting it to a Michael Gerber seminar, read the book, um, E-Myth, and then I created then systematized the practice. And as I said, eventually had six. It didn't go to any of them. Um, and I then sold them, which is a lesson for all of you guys. The major role of a business is eventually to sell it and then started teaching other health business owners how I did it, how I was able to run them remotely and how, um, how you can still be a great health professional and have a successful business and still have a great quality of life, which I think most of us miss out on. Yeah, that's a, um, a great point talking about quality of life. And I think that we'll probably get into that uh, throughout this interview. So um, yeah. without, yeah, without further ado, why don't you share with us these seven critical mistakes that can reduce your profits, increase your stress, and really not allow you to live your life outside of your business. So let's start with number one. Well, the first one, and having said, I've done all of these, by the way. So you, you, I've earned the right to. I kind, to, I kind to talk of, about them. I kind of assume that. <laughs> so I've done, I've done all of them. Um, but the smart people learn from other people's mistakes. So hopefully, you'll listen to what's happening today. Now, mistake number one that I identified early is is failing to understand, Karen, the true role of your business. And if you think about what what does what does your business do for you, and if it's robbing you of your life, it's not what it's there for. The role of your business is to serve you. It's your servant. It's to give you more life. Yet when you ask most health business owners why they started, they say, oh, I, I wanted to be my own boss, or I wanted to make my own decisions, or the guy I was working for before was an idiot, or whatever they like to say. But is this really happening now? And as Gerber talked about when I first read it, you're now doing the hands-on work of the practitioner, plus you're also doing the, the, the business stuff, the marketing, the recruitment, and any wonder we get overwhelmed so early. And, and that's why Gerber talks about, and it's true, I was probably better off opening a plumbing business because I couldn't do the plumbing work. I was better off opening a business that I couldn't physically do than I could at least run the business. And that's the whole idea of this. My, my brother, who's a plumber, would be staggered because I'm hopeless with power tools. And I, I, he's banned me from using any sort of manual labor things. But the idea of the business is to serve you. And one thing I suggest you look at, guys, is, is work out what I call your freedom score. And your freedom score is simply how many hours per week on average do you spend treating patients at your practice? How many hours per week do you spend physically treating patients? And if you're telling me, and we've done this in seminars, 50, 
60, 70. I've, heard, I've had one guy doing 85 hours and they're still trying to run the business. You just, you just can't do that. So, and, and we talk about, there's a thing which have been practiceology, right is law, which is, which is as your number of team members increases, your freedom score must decrease. You, you can't keep adding team members to your roster because they, they're time suck. They take energy out of you and still see all the patients. You, there's got to be this balance. And that was how, how I was able to run it. But, one, but that being said, you have the choice of how you run your business. Now, my, my model was to replace myself, get therapists in, do the work for me so I had freedom of time and freedom of money. But some of our clients have a Mr. X model. Now, Mr. X is the guy that runs a healthcare practice, but he runs it on his own terms or her own terms. Doesn't work school holidays, starts at nine, finishes at two, sets his own hours or her own hours, charges what they feel. And guys I'm thinking about, they don't even have sometimes a receptionist. They sometimes if, if the surf's up, they don't turn up at the practice. They, they just go for surfing. But their patients know that's the deal. If you want to see this person, that's the model. But even in that case, Karen, the business is still serving that person. It's, 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 it's the, it, you're the master of it, not the other way around. And I don't know if you've ever made that, but that's understand what you want your business to do for you and make sure it does it. Otherwise, it'll suck the life out of you. Yeah, and I think that's why when you look at your business, whether you're just starting, you've been in it for a couple of years, you've been in it for 20 years, if you've never written down what your goals are for your life, not what your business goals are, but you know, do you want to spend... Do you want to be able to watch a movie a week, work out five days a week, spend dinner with friends, pick up your kids uh, from school, drop them off? You have to write those goals down while you're looking at your business because that's that's how you're going to have that freedom and that's how you're going to have your own life outside of the business. And the natural recourse for all health business owners is typically to see more patients, regardless of what happens in their business, regardless if they need more money, they see more patients. Team member leaves, I'll see more patients. So that, that's, that, that's their recourse. Their natural recourse is to go back to what they know. We teach our clients, sometimes that's the worst thing you can do. You, you need to do something exactly opposite. And, and one point also, to this is, this is probably one of my worst moments. You've got to understand too the concept of current bank and future bank when you think about your business. Now, I had a current bank business, meaning I had a, one of my practices earlier was inside a fitness center. So I had a physiotherapy practice inside a a fitness center in Sydney and it was a good business. It was a cash cow, but what I didn't realize at the time was it was fragile. So it was, it was making me lots of money at the time. How I knew it was fragile. I got a phone call from one of my clients. It would have been a Thursday night. He said, Paul, I've got some news for you. The owner of the gym I've heard uh, hasn't paid rent for three months. I went, okay, this this is a $300,000 business. Like I'm, I'm running here. Oh, that's the good. So I ring the owner, who I knew well, the owner of the gym. I said, mate, what's the deal? He said, oh, it'll be sorted out. Don't worry about it. Okay. I arrived at the practice the next day, cancelled our patient list, hired a truck, proceeded to put everything inside the truck that day. So by Friday, 5 o'clock, I've got everything inside the truck. Everyone's saying, what are you doing, Roddy? What are you doing? Well, I said, I'm taking everything out because I don't know what's happening here. This is all a bit unstable. Because I, I went to give the owner of the gym my rent check for the month and he didn't accept it. 
He said, hold on to that for a second, Righty. You might need it. I said, okay. The writing's on the wall. Drove off in the truck. And everyone's saying, Righty, another, another Jim Chan's going to buy this place. You'll be back open on Monday. I said, when I open on Monday, I'll bring the truck back and I'll chuck everything back in there and I'll be fine. Can I tell you, Karen, I never again set foot inside that building. It shut that day and I never went back in there. So overnight, a business goes from 300 grand to zero. What's the lesson? I, I had a current bank business. There was nothing. I was relying on someone else's rent, someone else's tenancy. If you're leasing a space in a medical centre, in a fitness centre, in something else, you think you've got a business you can, you can sell, there's no real future bank in that. You're at the mercy of your landlord. So it's, a, it's not a bad way to test a market to see if there's a available market, but, but that's not your long-term gig because there's a problem with it. And I suffered badly from it. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, yeah. Mistake number one. (laughs) Big mistake. Mistake number one. So let's talk about mistake number two. All right. We we do this all the time. We fall in love with our product. We fall in love with the idea of being a therapist. Like I fell in love with the idea of being a physio, but I didn't know was there a market for that? Was there a need for more physios? I just wanted to be one. But we do that all the time. We 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 fall in love with our product of therapy. What we've got to fall in love with is the is the market. You've got to fall in love with the market wants. So you might have a passion for treating on the elbow pain in one-arm golfers. That might be your passion. But if there's not enough one-arm golfers out there, you're not going to do any good. So the market doesn't care what you want. Find what the market wants. So your job is to listen to all of your patients, listen to the doctors, listen to the community. What's missing? Your job is to fill the need. And if you do that, you'll be successful in business. Um, my favorite one, I hope you guys watch Shark Tank. You guys have Shark Tank in the States. That's mm-hmm. Shark Tank. With a, My favorite one is the guy that turned up with the um, arm, armpit pad for guys' shirts. So you, know that, so you, put a, you stick two pads under your arm so your shirt didn't get all sweaty. It was his product. The sharks wouldn't touch it. I said, oh, I'm not really interested. And, and they said, how many have you sold? Oh, I've been doing it for seven years now. I've sold about 500. So in seven years. And out the back, the interview, and they said, what are you going to do now? He said, oh, I believe in this. So I'm going to keep going. Fell in love with this product. The market had already said they didn't want it. Move on. So find the hungry market and satisfy that need. If you do that, you'll be okay. And you see that a lot, Karen. If people, so they, they open a practice in a, in a country town or regionally because they, they might have identified there's a market for that service, so they've done well, but the part they're missing is the available labour supply because there's two drivers of every business, available market and available labour. You haven't got enough labour, you're going to be staffing that thing yourself for the rest of your natural life. <laughs> and that happens all the time. So be very aware. Don't, don't fall in love with the product. Fall in love with the market. What's the desperate need in your community? Solve that and you'll be halfway there. And that's, that's kind of what I did in my second my next career because I, I knew health business owners struggled with business and finance and marketing and other things. And it happened to marry up with something I liked and was good at. So that was a fortunate thing. But you've got to find the hungry crowd first. Yeah, do your research. If you don't do your research first, you're in big trouble. I had a guy come to me once and he said, Paul, I want to open seven practices on the northern suburbs of Sydney. That's what he said to me in this seminar. I said, oh, is there, is there enough market for that? Oh, 
Oh, I'd imagine so. I, I think so. So he just, he because he, he wanted to do it, Karen. He wanted to open. I, I said, well, can you, available labour is a bit tight. Can you staff those seven practices? Where will you find your staff? I'll just advertise. <laughs> There's a guy with his head in the sand. It's not funny. It's, I, I, it's the key thing. I want to. Mm-hmm. I want to do this. Now, that's okay if that's a passion project. But if you want to generate a revenue and a business that's successful and you can sell it down the track, if that's what you want to do, solve solve the desperate problem. Yeah, yeah. Turn it around. It's not about you. It's about you, but it's not about you all at the same time, <laughs> right? Um, if, you can okay. mar- if you can marry it up, it's great. If you can, yeah. you're just going to find that, that, that thing. But, but be careful of what you do. You just make sure there's a hungry market for it. I mean, I did this. We found out in one of our practices there was a real market for lymphedema treatment. Mm. So, and it's massive markets. Well, lymphedema. I had a guy who knew all about it, the therapist who knew all about it. So we got him doing the lymphedema program. It was great. But, but Dopey Dora here didn't get him to train everyone else on how to do it. You know what happened? The guy leaves. Th- three years after, we're still getting phone calls from people wanting lymphedema treatment. And every time they rang, it killed me. So it's solve, solve the desperate problem, yes, but then protect yourself with the available labor supply if you're doing mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great example. Okay. What's number three. So we've got failing to understand the true role of your business, falling in love with your pro- your product. Number two, what's number three. Uh, we all do this uh, falling in love or, or, or falling victim to our own perfectionist syndrome. Uh, I, I was probably fortunate. I, I I had some good mentors early in my career and, and they'd tell me, righty, it's better to be 80% and out the door than 100% and in the drawer. Mm. And it's so true. We, we just worry so much about putting something out there because it's not quite perfect yet. Uh, Reid Hoffman, I think, was the founder of LinkedIn, uh, one of the founders. He, he said, if you're not embarrassed by the first version of your product, you've launched too late. If you're not embarrassed by the first version of your product, you've launched too late. Meaning put, you put something out there and you see if it's got traction. Is it going to get some market share? Is it going to work for me? If it does, then you can then do version two, then do version three. But so many health professionals that get so caught up in making it perfect. I just want to do this. I just want to finish this. I just want to do this. And they end up not doing it. They wait that long and they, they're slow to implement. Maybe it's because we're analytical thinkers. We're sometimes slow to implement and we just, we drag the chain a bit. Um, and, I, and I like this expression. To, to the blind man, the one-eyed man is king. Mm. <laughs> and one of my mentors said to me, Roddy, you don't have to, to be the best in the world. You just got to be the best in their world. So there might be a knee specialist down the road who's who's a superstar, does all the courses and is on all the all the seminars and other things, and you've got your own knee program. That's great, but don't let that stop you from what you're doing. Just be the best in your client's world at it. You don't have to be as good as that guy. You just have to be the best in the client's world. And and that also, I think, Karen, sometimes maybe it comes from our maybe our universities that, that, that we want to be anointed or we want to be awarded or we want to wait for the, someone else to recognize me. Um, don't, don't wait to be anointed by your profession. Don't, it's too slow. 
anoint yourself. Someone, someone says to me, righty, uh, who's the best health business mentor in the world? Well, I am. <laughs> what am I going to do? Wait for the National Association of Physical Therapists to, to make the announcement? I'm not going to wait for that. I am. And, and, and you think we're going to have some balls to do that. But people take you at your own appraisal. I, I reckon I am. And if not, that's your choice. But that's, the, again, don't wait to be anointed because it's, it's just too slow to, to do it that way. So don't fall victim to perfectionism because it's just a curse for us. Yeah, very, very common, especially I think I see it more in women than men. Men will often sometimes be like, I'm just going to do it and see what happens. And women are more like, okay, it needs to be like this. It needs to be perfect. And, And I think sometimes our women judge more harshly than their male counterparts for things. Um, there aren't as many women in leadership positions. So you don't have that person that looks like me, um, in those leadership positions as a point of reference. Um, and so I think oftentimes women tend to keep putting things off because it's gotta be as almost perfect before it goes out because we don't want to get judged harshly on something. Um, and I see that consistently again and again, um, and a lot of men will just throw shit out just there and it's like, yeah, this is fine. Who cares? And women are like, oh, you got to be. Um, I remember lecturing once I was I did a little lecturing in the fitness industry years ago and in the, in the personal training space. And I remember doing an anatomy lecture one day to a group of trainers. And I in, in the audience was my uh, anatomy tutor from uni. Like, and a superstar, like this person knew everything about everything. And I'm up the front talking anatomy. And, I, and, and it was a, a, a pivotal moment for me because I'm, I'm so self-conscious about what I'm saying in front of this, this mentor. But no one asked her any questions. They all asked me the questions. <laughs> so I, was, I was at the front of the room. I had the clicker. I was in charge. So right. it's, I was the best in their world. She was the best in mine, but I was the best in theirs. That's that's. Anyway, and I'll leave, I'll leave you to make the comments about guys or girls. I can't say that sort of stuff. So knock yourself out, Karen. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, that's just <laughs> what I've seen, you know, over and over again is, is that women tend to be a little more hesitant at putting themselves out there. Um, and yeah. I get it, you know, as someone who has, and who does put themselves out there, the criticism is harsh. People can be yeah. mean, um, mean spirited, uh, especially when it comes to social media, it can be a little toxic and, and, um, you are judged very harshly and people say really mean things. So you have to grow a thick skin. I think if you're going to yeah, be one, stepping into that, kind of those leadership positions, that was, that was one of the key things. I, I think my management style of the business, you had to have a thick skin to work for us. I mean, and maybe I'm, I'm, I was more suited to being an owner back then than I would be now. I don't think I'd be as quite as sensitive as I'd need to be now. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's you, you've, um, and one of my mentors said too, and I, I love that when they say this: if you haven't upset someone by midday every day, you haven't said anything really important. Mm. Not everyone's going to agree with you. You don't. You don't have. Yeah. Everyone doesn't have to agree with you. You just have True. this. You haven't. You haven't the right to have your opinion. This is what I think you need to do. And you, you don't have to agree with me. That's just what it is. But if everyone's agreeing with you, are you really saying anything of any importance? Possibly. Right. Right. Very true. Very true. You don't want to surround yourself with yes people all the time. That's for sure. Because <laughs> um, then you'll never move forward because you're never kind of grow and challenge yourself. 
Um, okay, let's let's move on to number four. Number four, ineffective, uh, non-existent, and unsupervised internal systems. Uh, you, you, we've seen it. We've seen it countless times. Someone goes to a seminar, or they or they get an idea, and they launch it into their practice, and and they, they're so, so excited about it. But the team have seen this before. They've seen you come home with an idea, and they've seen you launch it, and they know you'll just it'll blow over <laughs> once you get you'll see more patients and get busy. So. So they sometimes they do it for a while, and you, you can see this owner because you'll say to them, uh, "Do you have, for example, do you have a follow-up system in your practice?" Oh, I think we did. Yeah, we look, we did do something like that. Brian, are we still doing that follow-up system? So that, they haven't followed up and measured it. So one of the best things, give you the tip. One of the single biggest and most effective things you could do in your practice is to tighten up the report of findings conversation. That's, that's after I've done your history, I've done your, your examination, and I'm saying what we're going to do to fix you. That's the, you know, in the chiropractic world, it's a report of findings. It, in our world, it's, it's the action plan or it's our treatment plan. Get, get that script right. Get that conversation right. Write it down. Sit the person next to you and write it down, Mary, to get you back running in that marathon in two weeks' time. You need to see me three times a week for the next two weeks. I'll reassess you then and we'll get you ready for that race. How does that sound? Like that, just that conversation that that currently is not done well in most practices, and 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 because I'm an analytical guy, kind of thought, how do I measure that? How can I control that conversation? So I created an action plan, a written plan, and and it, the the penny dropped for me when there is a number at the bottom. So the numbers at the bottom was how many how many sessions, how many times a week for how many weeks. So if it's three times a week for two weeks. I had a number six. So that person needs at least six sessions before the next assessment. So I then made it mandatory that every patient would walk out of the front counter with that sheet. They would give it to the admin person who and, they, and would verbally hand over that patient, Karen, to get Mary back to her run in two weeks' time. She's doing a marathon. She's going to do it really well. She needs to make three appointments for the next three a week for the next two weeks, and we'll get her there. Admin person books them in. And then I've then got a spreadsheet that we created that has consults on plan. So that would be a six. The column next to it, consults booked. So you've recommended six and how many were booked? Now, if I, if I then log into that spreadsheet and I see that my therapist has recommended six and they're booking one. So it's six, one, six, one, five, one, two, one. If it's a one on that, on that booking column, I've either got a therapist problem or I've got an admin problem. Has the therapist not been good enough to get the confidence in the patient or is the admin under pressure and hasn't got time to book those sessions in advance? And you will know the dangers of a session-by-session session appointment diary. It's just, it's a recipe for disasters. But that's, that's an example of a system, Karen, you've got to put in to your business that you can then measure and stay on top of. And you'll love this. So in, in true Paul Wright style, there was only one time in, in all of my practices where the, the therapist did not have to do one of those sheets, written physical sheet. And I'd, I'd get them all in a room and say, guys, what's the only time that you can get away without doing one of these things? And they'd say, uh, the person need to go and see a specialist or, the, or I, did, I ran out of time or whatever else they thought of. So no, none of those things. The only reason I'll accept the no completion of this form is if the patient dies during the consultation. And it got a chuckle, gets a chuckle, gets a chuckle when I talk about it now. 
but there's there's an element of truth to it. Everyone else gets one. Now that's that's the problem with most health businesses. We don't enforce our systems, we don't put them in and we don't make them mandatory. One of the keys to business success, remove discretion at the operating level of your business. Remove discretion. Remove the chance for someone, oh, I was going to give them a plan, but I didn't think they needed it or they're going to see the surgeon or like, I want to look at the, the, that report and say, okay, what happened with Mrs. Johnson yesterday? Sad news about Mrs. Johnson. She didn't make it through the consultation. And the therapist were, okay, I get it, righty. And then I can say, mate, I've noticed Mrs. Jones didn't get an action plan either. What's happening here? Is, is something that I'm wanting you to do not sinking in? Is there an imbalance here? And if it happens a third time, we've got to have a serious discussion. Now, that's, that may be, you might think, well, that's hardcore, but would you tolerate a, a therapist turning up without a shirt on? Would you tolerate I don't know, horrifically bad breath? Would you tolerate them being late all the time? What, what are you going to tolerate? Remove discretion. Yeah, yeah. That's so just, just one system. Yep, yep. That's a great system. Yeah, so really making sure that you've got systems in place that work for your practice because every practice is different. And so you have to yeah. know what works for you. Um, what, are, what are the KPIs that work for your business? And, and consequence of non-compliance. What mm-hmm. if you don't do it? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Karen, we notice that now with, a, with available labour a bit short, um, too many owners don't enforce their systems because they, they, they're worried the therapist will leave. So they're, they're trapped. They're trapped because they can't enforce their system. Mm-hmm. So what if they leave? Well, what are they costing if they stay? You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's a cost for them to stay. You're happy to wear the cost. Make the decision. Um, We've got a client in practiceology now. He's got an admin person, just oh sorry, a therapist, who just won't won't follow that action plan system to the letter. But he's got a labour supply issue. We know our numbers. We know what she's worth to the practice. We've just made a decision to tolerate it for the moment. But but we could jump on if we want to. But it's not worth the fight because we're going to have trouble. We're better off better off fighting our battles in the right order. But mm-hmm. it's a decision. It's a strategic decision. Yeah, yeah, makes sense to me. Okay, let's move on to number five. And on that note, we'll take a quick break to hear from our sponsor and be right back. When it comes to boosting your clinic's online visibility, reputation, and increasing referrals, NetHealth's digital marketing solutions has the tools you need to beat the competition. They know you want your clinic to get found, get chosen, and definitely get those five-star reviews on Google. NetHealth has a fun new offer. If you sign up and complete a marketing audit to learn how digital marketing solutions can help your clinic win, they will buy lunch for your office. If you're already using NetHealth Private Practice EMR, be sure to ask about its new integration. Head over to nethealth.com forward slash L-I-T-Z-Y to sign up for your complimentary marketing audit. Number five, uh, using your accountant to do your P&L for you is a mistake because most accountants, I know it's your accountant, but assuming they even give you a P&L, like most accountants, their job is to keep you out of, out of jail and to make sure you pay enough tax. And that's pretty well it. But what we want to know is a, is a down and dirty profit and loss for your practice. We want to know, take out all the dodgy expenses. Take out the trip you took to the conference in New York. Take out all that. Even the, yeah, there was a conference there, but it's a bit dodgy. Like what, take everything out of it, the car, all the other things that are legally claimable, but aren't really required for the business. 
get a down and dirty profit loss on a calendar month basis. Revenue we, we build, this is what we spent and know your numbers every month. And you shouldn't be able to wait for the end of the month to come to track your numbers. And one thing you must allocate, Karen, you must have an owner consulting wage in there, which is not the amount of money your accountant told you to take. It's not the dividend. It's a reflection of your consulting effort. So how you do that? Freedom score. So how many hours per week are you at the practice? Multiply that by what it would cost to replace you as a therapist. It's just a re your replacement cost. That money's not changing hands, by the way. The accountant's looking after that. But this is we've got that in our PL as a reflection of your consulting time. Because I can tell you now, from having done this a long time, the only way sometimes you can get an owner of a practice to drop their consulting is to show them a down and dirty profit and loss and show them that it hasn't changed or has improved if they drop their consulting hours. And, you've got to, and you don't do that with your accountant's P&L because it's a different spreadsheet. You've got to do it with a down and dirty P&L. Because so our natural recourse, Karen, is to just consult more. Um, whereas as a result of that, we're not mentoring our team, we're not recruiting, we're not marketing, we're not with the kids, all these other things we're not doing. Right. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. And I, yeah. Yeah. It's different. I mean, my accountant does do my PL, um, but I also do monthly PLs for myself. So um, on a month to month basis. It can work if you're, if you're doing a percentage of gross method, but I just, but the problem with most therapists, we don't know their personal contribution to consulting. And, mm -hmm. and the overall scheme of things, and we've shown owners, if you, if you cut your hours 20 hours a week, we can maintain your profit. Would you be happy to do that? And it's because their their natural recourse is to see more patients. That just happens all the time. Sure. And the only way you can do it is know the numbers. The numbers will set them free. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, I like that. And so when you're saying putting your consulting numbers in, you're talking about not just the time that you're with patients, but time that you're working on the business as well, or are no, you talking I, I, just time when you're it's with just patients? It's just your face-to-face -face consulting time because Got everything it. else is part of your profit margin. Right, right. But the, the other thing it's part of, and it's the other stuff is discretionary. You you can do your marketing when you want. You can cancel the staff training. You can, you can, you've got freedom to that, but your patient list, that's that's the one that you you are stuck in. So that's when you are chained to your business. Got it. So, yeah. And 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 most of our owners, we try and get that down to zero. We try and get your owner consulting wage to zero, maintaining your profit, then they have discretion. They can go to work if they want to. Because they, they're doing, they're seeing patients because they want to, not because they have to. Yeah. And that's a differentiation not enough of us make. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. All right, so let's go on to number two to go. Six. Um, ineffective recruitment systems is a is a classic problem, and I don't know what it is. We just we take it personally if they don't if they leave. We 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 don't get the right people. All this stuff, this recruitment stuff's a nightmare, and I think it comes back a lot of it. As an owner, you have to make make a big decision regarding your team. Do you want to be liked or do you want to be respected? Do you want to be liked or do you want to be respected? I believe too many health business owners worry so much about being liked by their team. They can't have those difficult conversations. They don't have the respect of the team. And you're not always going to be liked. Just accept it. As an owner of a business, you're not always going to be popular. You control the hours. You control the wages. You control everything in the business. 
it's, it's impossible to be liked all the time. And if you're trying to be liked, it's going to be very difficult for you. Everyone is replaceable, accept that. And if they're not, you want to make them replaceable. You need to think about the systems in a bit. Like my lymphedema guy, big mistake. Um, I, I had an epiphany one night. I often have these epiphanies. So there, so there I am. And my admin, I had an admin superstar at one of my practices and she knew everything. And she was so good at everything, she just did everything. And I had a, I'm in there in bed one night, I think, and I bolt upright. What happens if something happens to Gina? And I remember, and I couldn't sleep the rest of the night, so I rang Gina. Gina, nine o'clock in the morning, I want you to come in. I've, I've got someone to replace you at front desk. I've got my camera. You're going to show me everything. And we sat in the back room with the camera. Show me how to do this. Show me how you do this. Show me. And, and we just that we did that for a whole day. And I had all this. I had all this stuff. So if something happened, you can watch the Gina file. <laughs> That's someone can do it. If you aren't doing that, you are you are in all sorts of trouble. So recruitment systems, people are replaceable, except they're going to move on. Don't take it personally. Uh, one of my mentors, we did a recruitment training program recently, and one guy said, just accept the fact that people are going to, your, your business is like a train journey. People are going to get on a certain station, get a bit down the track, and then they get off the train. That's just, that's what this journey is like. They're not going to stay with you till the end of the line. Don't expect them to. That's just, just accept they will move on. And, and the final one, I know we're running out of time, final one, uh, not packaging your services, not packaging it into an into a outcome-driven solution. Uh, the Bite Right program for TMJ, the Runner Marathon Pain-Free program, whatever you do. We had a corrective orthopedic rehab program with exercise. So name it something. Because once you are the only person that has that program, you can't be compared on price. If I'm ringing around the practices and you're charging 80 bucks and someone's charging 75, you're commoditizing yourself. But if you're the only person with the XYZ migraine program, you can't, no one else has got that. You can't put a price in that. So, so you've got to make sure you don't, you have to package your services as a solution driven uh, outcome, not just as a session by session deal. If you do that, you're, you're, you're reducing the chance of being caught up as a commodity. Now, have we got time for one bonus mistake? Uh, I think so. Time? Yeah. All right. This, Let's do this it. This is one of my one bonus mistake for you. And, and too many owners do this. They, they think, well, they put a monetary value on their family time. They put a monetary value on their family time, meaning I could finish at four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, or I could, I could, if I stay, I'll make an extra thousand dollars, whatever I stay. But, but I'll miss my daughter's concert. You know, there's, there's a. So we put a monetary value. If I do that, it'll cost me this. You, you just there's some things in life you can't put a monetary value on. You just you can't put a monetary value on your family time. And people who tell me that it's that it's family time, I don't have much, but I have quality time. And, and again, I don't want to guilt you into this stuff, but there's no such thing as quality time with your family. Family time is quantity time. Things just happen when you're around them. Things just happen. Um, I'm, I'm on the back porch of my house. My, my second youngest daughter was about 17. I'm, I'm home a lot as I'm on the, on the back porch. In she comes and she stands at the door. Not a crier, young Jade. She's a very, very stout young lady. And she, I said, yeah, okay, darling. And she dissolves, like just into tears. Come here, darling. 
So I cuddle her for five minutes. Yeah, okay, done. Oh, just a few things happening at school, done. I'm all right now. And she took off. Now, <laughs> I couldn't plan that. I can't, you can't, you can't plan that. That just happens because you're around. And again, I'm not, I'm not guilting you guys. You, yes, you have bills to pay, you have other things to do, but the business is there to serve you. You, you do what you need to do to make sure your family is is happy and fed and everything else, but don't put a monetary value on it because it's it's a it's just not a fair comparison. You can't price it. Yeah, it's just ridiculous to even think about it. All right, so we went through seven mistakes plus a bonus, which is great. And, and you know, if you weren't taking notes, don't worry. We'll have all of these uh, written out in the show notes to make it really easy for you and to follow along. Um, but now, where can people find out more about you, get some more resources so that they don't make all these mistakes? Um, best place to start, we, d- we do a monthly demonstration of Practiceology. It's a webinar we do every month. Um, and we basically show you how our clients um, across 54 countries are earning more, working less and enjoying their lives, even during a pandemic. Um, so we talk about some of the principles we talk about today, and it's really a, a very interactive demonstration of how we do it. So if you go to mypracticeology.com forward, forward slash Litzy, L-I-T-Z-Y, obviously. So mypracticeology.com forward slash Litzy. Uh, you can ro- log in and register for the next, uh, next session. Um, and if you want to get a copy of the book, I wrote a book, How to Run a One-Minute Practice, as Karen explained at the start. Um, it's, not a, it's not a big book. I didn't want to write it. It doesn't make sense to have a, a massive journal for how to run a one-minute practice. It's got to be a one-minute book. You should be able to read that in less than an hour. Um, just, and it covers a lot of the action plans and the bookings, and there's some great resources, sample action plans you can get um, from the book. Um, if you just go to one-minutepractice.com forward slash book sales, so oneminutepractice.com forward slash book sales. And if you just put in the code uh, Karen OS for overseas. So if you're not Australian, which I don't imagine you will be, if you're not Australian, do Karen OS and it'll take 15 bucks off and you get it for $4.95 Australian, which I think is about a dollar US. Uh, <laughs> the way I, oh my. I exchange it is. <laughs> no, it's a bit more than that, but it's it's not, it's a pretty good deal. Uh, if you happen to be Australian listening to it, put in Karen AUST. So one minute practice.com forward slash book sales, uh, Karen OS, get it for if you're if you're um, outside Australia or Karen AUST if you're Australian, and you get that for $4.95 and we'll post it out for you. And, and my social media platform is LinkedIn, believe it or not. I'm I'm an old school LinkedIner. So um, find me on LinkedIn, Paul Wright Newcastle. I'd love to have a chat. Um, and I hope you can uh, join it for join us for a webinar and get some of those great resources from the book. And postage, sorry, postage is a bit slow, I think, with COVID. Um, but once you buy slow. the book, once you buy the book, you do get the PDF of the book straight away. And there is nice. on the second page a link to all the resources and the action plans and all the scripts and stuff. So that's all perfect. There. And we'll have links to all of that at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. So one link will take you to the webinar, to the books, and to your LinkedIn page. And before we wrap things up, I'll ask you one last question. And it's one that I ask everyone, knowing where you are now in your life and in your business and in your practice, what would what advice would you give to your younger self? <laughs> oh, you'll love this one. Okay. Uh, I would probably be a podiatrist or an optometrist. Now you're sitting thinking, okay, what, what are those things got in common? Well, think about it. They've got a product arm. 
They've got a range of products because I, I did what we talked about earlier. I, I became a physiotherapist because I wanted to be a physiotherapist. I didn't know I could, I'd be limited in what I could sell or products. So if I could go my time again, podiatry, uh, yeah, I, I would, but I don't like feet. So maybe it's a problem. Uh, optometry, I'd be okay. Maybe orthodontics, I'd, I'd want a product range. That would be, that would be my tip. Now don't, don't go and say, oh no, my dime is done. Put a product range in your current business if you can. Uh, that helps. But the idea of relying on your hands and trading time for dollars, uh, I'd probably do differently. Right. Well, great advice to your younger self for sure. Um, thank you so much, Paul, Paul, for coming on and sharing uh, seven mistakes that you've made. And probably a lot of us who have been in business for more than a couple of years or more than a year have made. And hopefully all the listeners out there, you will not make those mistakes because we have covered them here. You've got them in your head. You'll sign up for the webinar and you won't make up and it'll be clear sailing. Fingers crossed. So thanks, Paul, for coming on and sharing all of that with us. I appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. You're a superstar. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And everyone, thanks for listening. Have a great couple of days and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. And a big thank you to Paul for coming on to the podcast this week and sharing all this great info. And of course, thank you to our sponsor, NetHealth. Again, NetHealth's digital marketing solutions has the tools you need to beat the competition. Get found, get chosen, and get five-star reviews. If you go to nethealth.com forward slash L-I-T-Z-Y, NetHealth has a fun new offer. Sign up, complete a marketing audit to learn how digital marketing solutions can help. And NetHealth will buy lunch for your office. If you're already using NetHealth Private Practice EMR, be sure to ask about its new integration. So big thanks to NetHealth. Thank you for listening and please subscribe to the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media.